Mike Leonard is in studio already. Leonard Trial Lawyers, a famed federal defense attorney, does whistleblower cases too. Mike, how you doing, my friend? Great, John. I'm excited to be here. I got some big news for you. Oh, off the bat. Do you want to start with number number one or number two? Let's go number two. Okay, two is I'm going to a 70s disco party tonight. <laughs> All right, that's two. Okay, okay. let's so, let's start with number probably one. Not really, that's, not, not, that's not too legal, is it? Or is it illegal? It might I, be no, illegal. I think it's perfectly legal. Well, it depends on what happens it might there. might be illegal. I wasn't I around know. for the first time of disco. don't know if I want to be around for the reboot. <laughs> oh, don't but. be aging me, John. Don't I'm be aging sorry, me. I'm sorry. The second, well, point one is really, it's important to you. Okay. I got some information on your ratings. Oh, no. Okay. Don't publicize those. Yeah, I know. I know you tell me never to speak about this subject, but I'm going to. So I got a letter uh-huh. in the mail last week. Yeah, uh-huh. Who gets a letter these days? Right. You know, do you ever get letters? No, not too okay. much. Unless it's so a bill. So it's from a woman I used to work with by the name of Pat Myers. Okay. And she was telling me in the letter that her, Pat Myers, and uh, her friend Peggy, who we used to all work together years ago, decades ago, John, they watch you, they listen to your show regularly. Oh. And she said the quote was, they like our banter back and forth. Oh, and here we are practicing so, what we preach. Yeah, so now, John, we're up to 27 listeners <laughs> by my count. So if you add those two in, yeah, we're looking Peggy good. and Pat, Peggy we're, and at, Pat. we're at 27. Well, yeah. thank you, Peggy and Pat. Yeah. We appreciate you listening. Yeah, Peggy Miller and Pat Myers, a shout out. Yeah, so. this is the one show we can give every single person that listens a shout out to now. <laughs> we thank Maybe our we many give, listeners. We could give everybody a free sandwich, John, and <laughs> I think you're your budget would still be okay. All right. Well, I hope I'm still back next week after management hears this conversation. I got a question of the day for you, Mike. Sure. Uh, well, it's really for the listener. You don't get to answer. But oh, okay. In 1792, Pennsylvania became the first state to mandate what? It was something now that all Americans do without even thinking about, even though technology has changed so many times. But it wasn't written down as a law anywhere in the books. Until 1792, which is actually, so that's after colonial times. That's in American history. Uh, we signed the Constitution in 1787. I should know that off the top of my head, or 89. Sounds like kind of a vague question. To it me. is very vague. I'll try and give some clues later on, but I thought someone might get it just with that. Sure. 312-981-7200, if you've got a guess. What did uh, 1792 Pennsylvanians, uh, they were the first to mandate this. It's something we don't even think about now. We all do it. Uh, even though the technology has changed so many times. 312-981-7200. Got a lot to talk to. I'm excited to talk with Jack Lawrence. You suggested his podcast, One Minute Remaining, which sounds like a sports podcast. Uh, yeah, One know. Minute Remaining. Yeah, you're thinking of that song, John. Isn't it, isn't it like... No, I'm thinking of when at the hockey games I say one minute remaining oh, in the period. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I'm not, a big, that I'm not a big Hawks fan. Bulls, but not really Hawks. Uh, well, shouldn't say that on this station. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But, uh, they, yeah, the cool thing about his show, so it's a podcast. You know, the, I think the one problem with the crime podcast is that there's a lot of them. Yeah, okay? for sure. But the interesting thing is that I think they usually are somewhat formulaic, right? They tend to do it as a whodunit. Right. You start the case at the beginning. You go through, you create some reasonable doubt in the listeners' minds. It goes on for weeks. They're, they're fascinating, oftentimes. But I think that's kind of been the formula, and people don't tend to deviate it. So Jack's show, One Minute Remaining, he's an Australian-based former radio host who turned to podcasting. And all of his show's cases are about cases from the United States, yeah. which I want to ask him why. I want to ask him that, too. Um, but he's done about six or seven different episodes uh, not episodes but cases, cases right over a series of and, and you know ranging from florida to a recent one in michigan Ooh, which was really cool uh, but he focuses almost exclusively from the standpoint of the criminal 
right. to defend and it, it. And it's called one minute remaining because he has phone calls with them in prison, and often then the alert comes in, there's one minute remaining on your phone exactly, call. Exactly, yeah. Any, any lawyer or someone who's ever had to call a loved one in jail would understand that thing that comes across and tells you how much time you have. Yes. You've just spent about $100 for a six-minute <laughs> call, and well, they'll we'll, tell you have one minute remaining. Well, that's about how much our call is going to cost from Australia uh, when we talk to him in the one thirty half hour. We do have a guest to the question of the day. 1792, Pennsylvania became the first state to mandate what? It's pretty common nowadays. Hey, Judy, how you doing this afternoon? Judy? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. What's your guess? My guess is get an education. Oh, like mandate an education. Oh, like that we offer ed- elementary school and uh, public school. Oh, that's a great guess. It's just not the answer. I want to look into that one, though. Thanks for the call, Judy. All right. Thanks. Bye. It's not easy being the first guess, yeah. I will say. And I am always appreciate the brave soul who takes a stab at it. Yeah, so. particularly this week's question. I'm, I'm just... You don't you know, like it's, it. It's very broad and vague, you know? Well, come up... I'm trying to figure out... I have another clue I want to give, but I'll I'll wor- worry if uh, no one is able to get it here soon. 312-981-7200. All right, before we talk to, uh, take the break, I want to talk about this Georgia grand jury case that is potentially brewing. Basically, as far as I understand it, this is the Atlanta DA who is uh, district attorney, who's saying that the attempts to overthrow Georgia's specific state uh, law back in 2020, or the, the, the results of the 2020 election, uh, there could be something there. And she subpoenaed a lot of people, and now we've learned that there have been recommended recommendations from the grand jury. That kind of leaked a couple weeks ago. The judge was aware that some leaks had happened, so they published part of it, like three out of the nine pages. And now the grand jury foreperson is like doing the strangest song and dance. Like, ooh, I don't know. She's like on media yeah, now. It's I, mean, weird. I, I, I think it's bad. Well, well let's first kind of refresh the listener's recollection with kind of the grand jury process. So it's a vehicle in which you can take, gather information, take information before a group of citizens who are, whose identities are typically secret. When they're, when they're processing the information, when they're meeting as a grand jury, they meet in secret. Nobody knows their identities, right? Um, in this case, in the Georgia thing, it's the, the grand jury has been meeting for months and they've been gathering information and evidence to see whether charges would be recommended to bring bring claims against, uh, among other people, uh, former President Trump and mm-hmm. a variety of people. This, uh, is the, based this is upon, the Lindsey Graham was called in this one, too, correct, and fought yeah. it, right? So was Giuliani. So were a lot of people. So what a grand jury does is they meet in secret. It's kind of like a jury, but nobody knows who they are. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what where they're meeting and all that kind of stuff. They've been considering evidence for months to make a recommendation whether charges will be brought. Okay, so you start with the idea that it's secret. And there's, that's important because you want to protect the identity of the grand jurors so that no one interferes with them, right? And number two, you don't want people who are investigated to know they're being investigated so that they could do anything to curtail the investigation or to, or to thwart it, so right. to speak, right? But the grand jury's done. They've done Correct. their, their so, actions. So this was a special grand jury. They met for months. They heard from witnesses. They gathered evidence. The prosecutors presented uh, different information to them. So they get done with their work. And they made recommendations as to what charges could be brought against what individuals. And they aren't binding recommendations. Correct. It's still yes. up to the DA to decide exactly. what to do. Exactly. So, so the, the DA in Georgia could decide to bring no charges at all, right? Right. Um, or they could bring charges against a variety of people or one person, right? And it could be President Trump or nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, But the weird thing about this grand jury in Georgia is that the judge sort of had a semi-gag on the grand jurors. And as you know, the four-person 
of the grand jury, which is a 30-year-old woman from the Atlanta area. She was the fourth person of the grand jury. The media figured out who she was before the grand jury was done because there were some subpoenas issued by the grand jury. Her name appeared on them. Ah, So when they got done with their work, people knew who she was, and the judge had issued an order saying, hey, you can only talk about certain things because it's inappropriate. The investigation's going. These people may be charged. They may not be charged. You don't want people running around saying, oh, we're gonna, you know, someone's going to be charged with a crime. But a complete gag order might have been seen as overreach, right? Because no, I, I think it would have been appropriate. I think okay. it would have made a lot of sense. I mean, you you never, literally never see grand jurors out there talking about right. the work that they've done, who might be indicted, what charges they're considering. It just doesn't happen. And I want to elaborate because some people might say, wait, no, I see jurors all the time on the news. Those are after criminal trials, yeah. not grand jurors. Yeah, those are jurors where who've sat and listened to a case. Right. And, and rendered a verdict. You might see him on Dateline or something like that. Or writing a book. Yeah. And someone, and a reporter wants to know, hey, what was your thought process? What information during the trial did you think was compelling? What was persuasive to you? Did you believe that this witness or that? Grand jury, again, were before any charges ever have been filed, and they may never be filed. So you don't want people running around talking about who might be charged, what the evidence is. But in this bizarre circumstance, the judge had a semi-gag order on the foreperson and allowed her to go on shows like CNN and other nightly news programs and basically have this weird coy thing. It's so weird. Yeah. She would kind of bat her eyes and would say, hmm, I don't know. I think I know less after watching her. But, But what she really did was she certainly told the reporters without telling them that, gee, we are strongly recommending charges against President Trump. I mean, she really Did said... You, is that what you said through oh, the lines? Absolutely. I mean, she never said that, but clearly by her demeanor and her reaction, I think it was clear that they had recommended charges against President Trump. Could this potentially... Let's play this out. <laughs> if President Trump is charged and this goes through, I don't know, he's gonna, you know, who knows where this is going to end up. Could that be used on appeal Could to try and get the case thrown out? I mean... President Trump's lawyers would certainly want to argue that. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, look, you're you're going to do everything you can to try to argue that the grand jury process was tainted, right? And maybe an argument you make is that, gee, we had a four-person of the grand jury running around doing news programs about the evidence, might have had some other bias or interest, some other reason why she and the jurors acted as they did, right? The grand jurors. And so, yeah, you're going to try to do that if you're a defense lawyer and your client gets charged. Um, however, it's very difficult to get a case tossed out because of grand juror misconduct. It's mm-hmm. almost unheard of. You'd really have to make an extremely strong showing. And the problem with ever making that showing is the deliberations are considered secret. So it's very hard to pierce that veil, so to speak, and even get the information you need. You will be getting, if your client's charged, you'll be getting copies of the transcripts of the testimony that was considered. You'll be getting copies of the documents that were submitted. But you don't usually get into, ever get into the deliberative process of those grand jurors. So mm-hmm. they could try that technique if their client's charged, but they're probably going to be unsuccessful. Yeah, this will be interesting because obviously the former president, you know, facing legal challenges in a few different areas, and we're still just kind of... Hands are up in the air. We don't know what's happening with the DOJ, um, but this will be interesting for a state DA and really a city DA to come, our state attorney to come after the, a former oh, president of the United States. Yeah, you could say almost unprecedented. I can't think of anything yeah. that's similar. I made a prediction to you, John, months ago that Trump would not be charged, but I said he wouldn't be charged related to the Mar-a-Lago yeah. stuff. But I still don't think he's going to be charged. Okay. We'll wait and see. Uh, we got some answers to the question of the day here. Let's see, or, or guesses, I should say. We're going back to 1792 Pennsylvania. They passed a law that we still follow today. Something pretty, um, 
mundane. We all do this and follow it, even though the technology's changed a bunch. Let's go to John. John, what's your... Oh, John just hung up on us. Let's go to Rich. Rich, what's your guess? I was going to say vehicle registration licenses, or how about state income taxes? What, which one are you asking, Rich? Let's go state income taxes. No, that's not the correct answer. Let's go to Steve. What's your guess? Is it the Militia Act? It is not, but good guess. 312-981-7200. If you've got a guess, uh, we'll take a break here. Uh, okay, let's go kind of a roundup of uh, some of the legal stories in the news this week. Um, I've kind of It's like been on the side of my radar. You brought it up, and I was like, oh, that's right. The Alabama basketball team having a great season, and then there is this just controversy and, and tragedy that has really rocked the team. Yeah, so obviously people think of Alabama as a, the football school, but strangely this year they're ranked number one or number two in the country in basketball, which really, really never happens. And they have a freshman who's a sensation who they say will be an NBA lottery pick, right? And so the allegations which came out in court in a preliminary hearing were that a teammate on the Alabama basketball team sent him a text and said, bring me my gun. Sent the star the text. Sent the star. Another teammate sent the star a text uh-huh. saying, bring me my gun, which seems odd that basketball players would have guns on the campus, but mm-hmm. be that as it may, then what happened was the star brings the gun to the teammate. Allegedly. And, well, no, they've, they've said that. Okay. They, they've said that that's true in a, okay. in a, in a public hearing, right? Okay. So we're not, we're not just speculating. So he brings that gun to the teammate. The teammate then somehow provides or gives access to another person who's not on the team, and that third person uses the gun and murders someone really on the campus area. So hmm. then the one individual who was the gun owner who sent the text to the star and said, bring me the gun, he's been charged with capital murder with the other guy. The star has not been charged because the you know the position is, well, he didn't know well, yeah. what, what the intention of the other guy and was. And it wasn't his gun, the star's. He wasn't was simply his gun. just transporting Yeah, it wasn't the gun. star's gun, and he's bringing it to a third party, the teammate, and had no knowledge of what the teammate was going to do with it. So he hasn't been charged with any crime, but the one teammate has been. But the big controversy has been, you know, should this guy still be playing basketball? In and he's light still of the playing. And he's still playing. They literally, after the shooting, the next day, allowed him to play. So people are kind of up in arms. Uh, but the university's position, which, uh, again, I think is uh, sort of the, the star treatment. And if that was a, a, a walk-on, mm-hmm. uh, he'd probably be off the team, right? I see what you're saying. Um, at, that's, my, that's my position. But, you know, he hasn't been charged with anything. And the one charged for gonna, capital murder, obviously, is now... He's off, off the, the team. team. Yeah, yes, the guy charged course. with capital murder is off the team. Yeah. But the one guy who's a star has not been charged with anything. So a lot of people say, hey, the DA has already said he's not going to be charged with any crime. There's no basis to charge him. So, you know, why would the university take any action The DA him? did say that. They're not yeah, going to charge him. Correct. Okay. Well, that they have no basis well, to charge Well, then at that point, I don't know what you... Yeah. So, but people like to talk about these things. Well, I know. I, yeah. I get your point, though, yeah. that, like, Alabama wouldn't want the heat if it's a walk-on, right? Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If, it, if it was a, then the 12th guy in the roster, I, I question whether he would be still playing. But that's for your sports show that you host. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah which doesn't exist. Um, another case that kind of came to a terminus was the R. Kelly uh, sentencing that we heard about on Thursday, I want to say. Uh, the government had asked for 25 years in this separate case uh, to run consecutive, essentially after the 30 years he's already been uh, uh, sentenced to. The judge said, I'm sentencing him to 20, but 19 of those years will run concurrently at the same time, meaning one extra year. Is that unusual, or is was it an unusual ask 
by the prosecutors to have it go at the end of the 30. Well, I think it was it was somewhat of an overreach by the government, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Chicago. They wanted, you know, 25 years tacked on to the 30 years he already got to run uh, consecutive, meaning on top of the 30. The whole thing is, you know, when you get when you get a 30 year sentence in federal court, you're going to serve 85 percent of that. Kelly's already about 55 years old. So he has very little chance or little hope of being out of jail until he's in his mid-70s or so, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the statistics and everything would say you're no longer uh, a danger to engage in recidivist behavior or to do anything else. So it wasn't a surprise to me that this judge said, hey, I'll give you a 20-year sentence, but I'm going to make sure, I'm not going to run it consecutive to the other one. So I wasn't surprised at that. I thought the government's position was one that the judge wasn't going to accept, so I wasn't particularly shocked. I uh, want to go back really quickly. We had a text about the grand jury, the Georgia situation. The judge in the proceedings said the four-person who came forward broke no Georgia laws. You're not suggesting that the person did, just that, that they could have, in the first place, put a stronger gag order in place. Oh, sure. No, that that individual, the four-person, she's not going to get charged with any crime for doing that. She did not violate the judge's order. My understanding, the judge actually imposed certain restrictions upon her, what she could and could not say, uh, because she could be charged with a crime, I believe, if she had gone out there and disclosed deliberative processes or information about who they're recommending to charge in violation of the judge's order, contempt of, of his order, or something stronger for violating the secrecy of the grand jury. But no, she's not going to be charged with any crimes. All right, let's take a break for the news. Mike Leonard stays on from Leonard Trial Lawyers. What phone number do you want people to use for you, Mike, by the 312-380-6559, John. And people can call that if they want to go to the disco party, right? Oh, yeah. Give me a call about the disco party, too, John. For sure. Time for the news at one thirty on W. 720 WGN, it's Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. Mike Leonard from Leonard Trial Lawyers, acting as part producer of the show today. There's a podcast you like, you were on, and you wanted us to dive in deeper with the uh, podcaster, right? Yeah, yeah we're, all, we're all suckers, especially as criminal lawyers, for a great uh, true, ki- true crime-related podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So I've, I've heard a lot of them over the years. Some are great, some are not. This new one is called One Minute Remaining. It's by a guy in Australia. Based mm-hmm. in Australia, lives in Australia. He used to be in radio in Australia. He's turned his attention to doing podcasts exclusively focused on cases in the United States. And his his um, focus is completely different than most of the other ones. Most of them are whodunits. Right. Or the guest has a, com- a completely uh, particular bias about what happened, right, and kind of... Cr- pushes the information that way. Jack show focuses almost exclusively on talking to the defendant on the or, phone. and or the convicted defendant, right, mm-hmm. on the phone. So it's, I think it's a really interesting approach. It's done extremely well, and Jack's an interesting guy, but I think it's a great one for people to listen to, one minute remaining. Well, let's get him on right now. Right. And for the first time, we've had international guests on the show. I think this is the first time we're going all the way to tomorrow to talk to our guest. Jack Lawrence, <laughs> how you doing, my friend? Yes, I'm well, gentlemen. I can I can assure you that the future looks good. The sun has risen, uh, <laughs> so tomorrow you you should all be fine. All that right, side of the world. that's that's always good to know to check Jack, on your, in. Your voice alone alone gets us. You know, it's, it's something about the Australian voice, isn't there, John? We do love it. Yeah, it, it, it did hook me in. I listened yeah. to episode one on my drive in today. I was captivated by it. It is fascinating, Jack. The first question out of the bat is because you you talk about how difficult it is sometimes to talk to prisoners in the U.S. and the complications with it. Why did you use choose cases in the U.S. even though you're all the way in Australia? Well, it, it kind of happened by accident, as um, uh, Michael mentioned. Like I, I did radio in Australia for about fourteen years, 
Uh, and part of obviously doing radio is finding stories to talk about every single day. And I sort of stumbled across a story about a lady called Derice Moore who was arrested, tried and convicted for the murder of a bloke called Abraham Lee Shakespeare. Um, and she'd always denied that she'd, she'd done the crime and that sort of stuff. But the story was so fascinating that I was like, oh, I think there's something here. Um, so it started with me talking to Derice. I wrote her a letter like it was 1999 and I posted <laughs> it all the way from Australia to the U.S., um, and funnily enough, I heard back from her and it kind of snowballed from there. And since then, I've spoken to about uh, sort of 15, 20 plus um, inmates in the US. Um, and yeah, we just tell their stories um, on, a, on a weekly basis. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I find the whole thing very interesting. And also, I can't actually speak to Australian inmates. They're not allowed to talk to Oh, really? Media I was just going to ask you that question. Yeah, I was wondering, could you do this? Could you recreate your show based upon Australian case? Or just, was that like a court rule that says convicted uh, yeah, it, defendants can't yeah, talk to the press? They, 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 when, when they get arrested, they have to hand over a list of phone numbers that they want to call when, the, when they're incarcerated. And um, then that, that list of numbers has to be then approved by the prison. Um, and actually, in, in Australia, there's a, there's a law that if you're part of the media and you want to interview someone, you have to get prior approval. If you don't, you can actually get charged. Wow. Um, and there was a journalist a, journalist a few years ago that, that did it um, and didn't get approval, and she actually got charged for, for doing it. Wow. Is it really possible to get approval? Let's say you wanted to pursue a case that was Australian-based. It's, <laughs> the person's been convicted and is in prison. Would you have any chance of getting the court's approval to do it? What, what they actually say is the, the, the wording is around um, unless it's to show the authorities in a positive light, wow. um, then it's a no. And you, you, can, you can understand there are probably very few prisoners who want to paint the system in a good light. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they also state that if it's pertaining to their innocence, it's a definite no. Wow. I know in the U.S., obviously, the, the serial uh, podcast that became so popular in the mid 2010s has now led to yeah. uh, the, the release of the former uh, prisoner, uh, Amon Syed. Yep. Um, is that, do you think, on, do prisoners know about cases like that? I guess what I'm saying is when you write them a letter and say, I'm a podcaster, I'm doing this project, I imagine they're eager to jump in simply because someone's taking a second look at their case. You, 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 it's funny, you think that there's a lot of people, a lot of them are very wary of the media because a lot of the people I speak to um, had almost trial by media situations where, um, you know, it was very much pointed towards their guilt. A lot of them have had documentaries made about their stories where it's all very much pointed towards their guilt. Um, so they're very much very wary of my approach and, and why I want to tell this story and, and what my motive is behind it. Um, so it, it sometimes takes quite a long time to convince someone to talk to me and to say, look, I'm not going to edit your story in any way to make you sound bad. It's, you know, someone, you know, I've spoken to, there's a, a guy, um, who's been on Netflix. He was called the, the hitchhiking hatchet killer. Um, his name is Caleb McGill. Um, and, and well, Kai, they call him. Um, and, uh, he said to me, I sent him a message saying, I'd love to tell your story because he was angry about the Netflix documentary series. Uh. And he said to me, and he and he's another one who's like, you know, I need you to tell me that you're not going to, this is not a gotcha moment. So they're very, very wary and not always that up for 
telling their stories. Mm. Have you gotten any? So, Jack, and, and for people who haven't listened to your podcast yet, which I, I don't know, there's probably somebody out there, Jack, who hasn't heard it yet. One minute remaining, by the right. way. No, there's, um, there's a lot of people in the there's a lot of people in the U.S. that haven't, Michael. Uh, but but uh, since you focus and, and listeners, if they listen to your podcast, will hear this. Since you focus on extensive interviews with the detained, now convicted defendant, have you gotten contact from? victims' rights groups or people involved in the case, say their loved one was killed or whatever, uh, criticizing you or wanting to be heard on your podcast, things like that. Has that occurred? Uh, funnily enough, actually, no, not at, not at this stage. Um, I feel like I am extremely careful and, uh, you know, I'm obviously sensitive to the fact that there are victims involved in these cases and everyone, I have had people not, not directly say to me that you know, this is insensitive and all the rest of it because we are certainly, you know, we don't we don't hand out any gory details and we don't go into the full depths of, you know, how the murders took place or whatever it is. Um, so I'm very sensitive towards the fact that there's victims involved and also families of the victims that are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always very careful around that side of things. Um, but also, you know, what I say is, like you, you mentioned there, the, the serial podcast, you know, people thought that Adnan Saeed was guilty of killing his girlfriend for years. There's plenty of people who thought he was guilty. So if everyone took the stance that, oh, well, this person's guilty, we're not going to give them a chance to talk, then he would still be in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. Um, you know, and it's been proven time and time again that, you know, there's plenty of prison people that are locked up for crimes that they didn't commit. And if people were just to take, to take that stance that, well, they're guilty, that's it, lock them up, throw away the key, you know, you'd have all these people that were serving time for these crimes mm-hmm. um, that they weren't involved in. I understand that there will be people I talk to, of course, that say they're innocent, that they're not. Um, but again, if they are guilty of the crimes that they've committed, they're already in prison. My podcast isn't going to get them out. Right. Um, I, you know. One thing you've teased, again, I'm only in uh, one episode in, and I look forward to this angle, is the idea that this is a podcast that other people can participate in, meaning write questions yeah. to you, and you can follow up with them because you're in constant communication with these people that are still in prison. What spurned that idea on, and has that been a successful part of the pod? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's come from my own love of true crime podcasts and listening to shows, and then, um, you know, you, you listen to the story, and you go, you're thinking about something, and you you go, oh, I didn't hear this, or I wonder if they've asked this question. So that was kind of the idea. And because I do talk to these men and women on a regular basis, um, it's a case of I, I've said to everyone listening, hey, if you think I've missed an angle, if you find something that I didn't find and you want me to question it, send me the message I will, and I'll follow up with them. And and people have done don't do that. All, I mean, I've got a closed Facebook group for the for the podcast, and we've got two and a half thousand members in there, yo, yo. and they they turn into they, they turn into detectives. They're like sending me. They're like, I've written this down, and I found this, and I found that on the internet. Um, people like, turning I, into detectives. <laughs> I, why yeah, I never? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Have shocking, you been, have you been deluged by? Have you been deluged by people who are incarcerated who want you to tell their story to focus on their case? No, no. I mean, I, I, I I've done most of the reaching out. Um, to other people. I've had a couple of family members reach out to me who have, have incarcerated people and friends of incarcerated people reach out to me saying, hey, can you look into this? Um, I haven't personally had um, an incarcerated person. I actually had someone in Australia, an incarcerated person. I was on TV over here in Australia and an incarcerated person here saw me on TV and reached out to me. Um, but unfortunately, as you know, I can't talk to him. So we have right. to can that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's, mainly, it's mainly family family members. I have had a lot of uh, mothers sons um, of incarcerated people um, mm-hmm. send me messages and say, hey, can you look at my, my 
my father's or husband's case or whatever. Right. What I'm looking forward to, and uh, not only an episode featuring Mike Leonard, having gotten to check with him almost nearly every week on this program, um, but I like that it's not an entire season of one story, but it's not just one yes. episode. It's kind of like that happy medium, it seems, where you're going to have a couple episodes about it, and then you'll pivot to something else. Yeah, each story is different. Some of them obviously more complicated than others. So they, they they need more episodes. So you know, the Reese Moore story, I think, it's five episodes, and then we've got a lady called Kimberly Boone. She's about six episodes, and then there's a man called David Talley. He's just one episode because it was all fixed. It was all sorted in one one story. Um, so yeah, so we, it's basically each each story depends on you know the, com- the complexity of it as to how many episodes we do on it. Um, so yeah, but it's it's, it's, it's ever changing and. Um, I've got you know lots of stories upcoming and some really fascinating cases, uh, and as you said, and then Michael joins me uh, after each case to have his say on it because I, I get a very blanket view, and sometimes you know because I get very close to these people, I'm like they're innocent, Michael, get them out, and he's like, hold on a second, hold on, let's look at this and this and this, uh, and uh, he brings me back down to reality. Jack, we got two final questions for you. First of all, can you get mm. a decent pizza in Australia? That's the most important <laughs> question of the day. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. All right, and good. secondly, are Australian people as happy as they seem to be, or is that just a voice? Tell us. Uh, look, yeah, we, we do have a certain sing to our voice, but, you know, if you go to places like Sydney, you'll find plenty of angry people in Sydney. Um, the further sort of, <laughs> good the more hear. remote you go, I think that's probably like anywhere, the more remote you go where there's less people around to annoy you, the happier you are. <laughs> that's great. Uh, good to hear. Um, we, we want to hear so. that there's disgruntled people that don't live in Chicago, yeah, that live in other places. Everywhere. Uh, Jack, it's a, it's a really yeah, interesting... No, look, we're not all Crocodile Dundee. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's an interesting listen. One minute remaining, uh, wherever you can uh, find your uh, po- favorite podcasts, I'm sure it's there. Uh, Jack, we'll talk again soon, okay? Enjoy. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, Thanks, thank Jack. Very much. Appreciate One it. minute remaining. Cool stuff. Good booking, Mike Leonard. Yeah, John, I'm always working for him, trying to make the show better, trying to get the <laughs> listener count above 27. Oh, um, please. You're going to get me fired, Mike. Okay. Uh, no, you're not. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us as well. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure, Great, my John. friend. Thanks for having me on. All right, Audrey Anderson from Anderson Attorneys and Advice. Oh, before I let you go. Phone number where people can reach you at. 312-380-6559 for federal criminal and state criminal trials. And also we represent whistleblowers on the civil side. For sure. LeonardTrialLawyers.com. Mike, it's always good to see you, my friend. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. We'll take a break. Audrey Anderson next on WGN.